your Bibles this morning with me. We're going to read the word of the Lord to us this morning from Psalm 119, starting in verse 97. You'll stand as we read the word. The word of the Lord to us this morning says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, because I have observed your precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not turned aside from your ordinances, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. From your precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Lord, I pray that we would realize the truth of your word this morning. That your word would penetrate our hearts and that we would see your word for what it is. A great and beautiful, sweet thing to our lips. That as we observe your word and make it ours, that we would begin to delight in your word just as the psalmist does. Father, I pray that your word would envelop us. Lord, calls us to draw closer to you, I pray, this morning. Lord, give me clarity and discernment this morning. Help me to speak your words and not something of my own doing. And Lord, I pray that all our ears would hear your word this morning, not just the adults, but even the children would begin to see a need for you, desire your word, delight in your word. Lord, awaken us by your spirit this morning. Speak words that will be applied, not just heard. I pray this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. We've come a long way. We're about halfway through the Hebrew alphabet. Well, a little bit, a little bit more. Um, and this section is the Mem section. So, if you notice, the Hebrew alphabet is similar to the English alphabet. So, our the sounds Mem sounds like the M, the letter M. Lamed, which was our last week's message. So, it's pretty. Similar, it's, it's very interesting how much languages have very, some, some languages, not all, but a lot of languages have a very similar system of ordering letters. Though in the Hebrew alphabet it does have differences, especially with the vowels. But that being said, um, as we start the mem section, we saw last week the sovereign creator's reign. We saw his work in our life as proof 
that His Word will forever stand, that He will always be trustworthy and faithful, that we don't have to look at what's going on in the world or what people are doing to us. We can continue to look to Christ as our hope because He is the forever settled Word of God. He is the Word in the flesh. He sits at the right hand of the Father now, making intercession for us. There's no bounds to the promise and the perfection of God and His commandment. He, he has spoken all that we need. He is sufficient. He is not lacking in anything. And so then the psalmist says things like that in verse 96. I have seen a limit to all perfection. Your commandment is exceedingly broad. or It, it has no bounds or limits to it. And then he says, Oh, how I love your law. This is not a statement that is proclaimed by many people. The majority of people say, Oh, could I get away from those commandments? We don't want them in our schools. We don't want them in our lives. That's what our world is saying, right? Unfortunately, the church is embracing this idea and saying, well, we don't want religion. The problem is, what they don't realize is there's false religion and there's true religion. Right? They'll say, we don't want religion, we just want a relationship with Jesus. Well, that is religion. We are trying to redefine terms so that we can just say what we want to say. When we begin to separate ourselves from the idea that, that Christianity is a religion, we begin to say to ourselves, well, all the past doesn't matter. And as we saw last week, if the past doesn't matter, then why do we even follow the Lord? Because if God has not been faithful from generation to generation to generation and two subsequent generations that are coming down the line to your grandchildren and great-grandchildren, if He's not faithful now and He won't be faithful in the future, we need that connection. God has given us history, especially His story in the Bible, as proof of His faithfulness throughout the generations. So when we begin to say, well, religion is something of us. I just want a relationship with Jesus. If you want a relationship with Jesus, you need to be walking with Him. You need to be a Christian, which is a religion. It is the religion, the true religion. This word law is the same word Torah, which, if you don't remember, Torah is the first five books of the Bible. They are the... Words written by Moses, inspired by the Holy Spirit. I remember when Mr. Sollinger was preaching here, he addressed a sermon by a pastor in Atlanta, Georgia, who claimed that we should unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. I don't think he would have said, I love your law. 
Because he wouldn't have even been reading the Old Testament because we don't need that anymore. According to him, not by my understanding, we need all of God's Word. Why does the psalmist love the law of God? Why? Well, we're going to find out. But first, we see how that love is seen in his day. What does it say? He says, it is my meditation all the day. So there is a action that follows this love. It's not just him saying, yeah, I love the Bible. Oh, the Bible is great. The Bible's so nice. Look at my Bible. It's so nice. No, he is saying, I love your law, and this is how I know, and I prove it every day. It is my meditation all the day. It is something that I think about and am and meditating all day. He's not doing Eastern meditation with the Bible. Because what is Eastern meditation? It's to empty yourself of all thought until you can't think anything. What do you think that's doing? It's inviting demonic spirits to come in, right? You're sweeping your mind out so that the demons that went out will come back with seven others. This is why I have issue with all these ideas of meditation. and It's not scriptural. It's demonic. That kind of meditation. But according to the psalmist, what does he meditate on? It's not nothingness. It is on the Lord and His law. And this, I would dare to say, is why he continues to love the law. Like he, he had a moment, like many of us, when we came to Christ and that love and that joy we find in the Word of God just cause us to devour the Word. I pray that's been true to, in all of us. But it is constant meditation, I believe, that continues to develop that love. I've titled this morning's message, Developed Delight. Developed Delight. Because what we see here is that the psalmist, because of his desire for the Word, he has taken action to apply it to his life. And we see the results. First, in his mind, in his physical world, his thinking. And he starts this with three groups of people. First, he talks about his enemies. Then he talks about his teachers. And lastly, he talks about the aged or the wise. Because unlike our generation now, his generation saw those as older than them being wise. Unfortunately, many in my generation and the subsequent generations are throwing those who are older to the curb saying, we don't need you anymore, which is a lie, just so you great-grandparents know. <laughs> don't listen to them. 
They need you. They, my children need my advice. Though they may not always take it. Probably won't always take it. But God will work in their lives and use me and their grandparents and, and other wise older people, even in this church, So first, he talks about his enemies. He says, your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. So his love for the law has resulted in constant meditation on the law. And that meditation has made him wiser than his enemies. We all need wisdom because we all have enemies. And our world is becoming more and more antagonistic to Christian truth and faith. Just as I probably say this maybe too often, just go on social media and find out how people feel about the truths of God's Word. Or just turn on television shows. It is shocking. Well, maybe not. It's shocking in light of the past history of our nation. But it's shocking how many times you'll start to watch something and then you see them glorifying a homosexual relationship, a transgender relationship, a divorce relationship. You name it. It's... Any kind of sexual perversion, even adultery and, and um, fornication, like it's no big deal. It's, it's hard anymore to find a TV show that you can watch that is not trying to train you to be de- de- desensitized to the idea that a man and a woman are God's means, God's design for marriage. And beyond that, that that is only within the bonds of marriage, not outside of pre-marriage or post-second, third, fourth marriage. Megan and I have... Uh, had to resort to Hallmark, essentially. But unfortunately, they are even changing their views and now pushing homosexual marriages in their films, some of their films. Not all of them, but we're seeing the continued decline of a biblical view of marriage and family in our nation. And it... And with the family goes the nation, in, in my opinion, and I believe that's what the Word says. So, we have enemies on all sides. If we want to be wise, not as this world is wise, we may still look like fools on Facebook or be made to look foolish in the conversation of this world, but when we are like the psalmist, loving the law of God and meditating on it, God will give us wisdom that is outside of our own ability. 
And it won't be determined by the age or the color of our hair or lack of hair. It's interesting, the psalmist in the second part of this verse, he, he states, in a sense, why he is wiser than his enemies as well. Because he says, for, remember we talked about this, when you see for, that is a purpose clause. This is why. So he says, for they are ever mine. What, what are they? Commandments. The commandments are ever his. Or with me. They, they're, they're constantly with me. No matter where I go, those words have been the meditation of my mind all day long. And so wherever I go, I have your word. I have true wisdom with me. No matter where I am, I have it. It is mine. It has become mine. Yes, they are God's Words, but they have become so a part of me that now they flow in and out of me as though they're mine. They have become my possession, and they go with me wherever I go. Kind of like we know people who have like numbers, stats. They're they're great with stats. You know, they they follow their sports team. You probably know Cubs fans like that. Right? They, know, they know every stat from the beginning of the Cubs uh, baseball team when they started. Like, oh yeah, he was the greatest, da, 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 and you're like, wow, how do you know that? Because I study it all the time. It's like, well, what if we did that with the Word? What if we weren't so concerned with the stats of Michael Jordan or LeBron James or you know, whatever the, the sport is or, or whatever it may be, the NFL... What if, what if God's word were something we constantly thought about? Were constantly pouring into us and they became ours. They weren't just, they weren't just words on a page. They became life. That's what I'm seeing in the psalmist. He, he has obeyed the word and it's become such a part of him that he can't help but delight in it because he's seen the faithful Work, and he's seen God's work in him in bringing change. Next, he talks about his teachers. In verse 99, he says, I have more insight than my teachers, than all, not just some, all my teachers. He's able to see much more clearly than his teachers. Because of what? Because of his testimony. Again, he says, for, this is, the, this is why, for your testimonies are my meditation. It's my constant time in your word and thinking upon your word and, and mulling it over. It may, that doesn't mean you're, you're walking around at work all day and... You're trying to put hardwood floors down and you're reading your Bible and, and then Jeremy's getting on you like, are you going to work today? No, it's, 
You're spending time in the Word and you're, you're constantly thinking about. Maybe it's a verse. Maybe it's a section of Scripture or some things that God has been showing you in the Word. But your, your mind is not on the things of this world except that you have to think to work, right? If I go and try to build uh, a building, I need to be thinking about measurements and all that. But when my mind is free... I'm thinking on the things of God. Is that really the case in my life? This is an indictment on me, so don't feel like I'm just uh, coming against you. That this, The psalmist isn't saying this because it's not true. He's saying this because this has been the case in his life. He has truly made God's word his meditation. And this, I believe, is the reason why God said, you are a man after my own heart. Not because you're perfect, David. Because obviously, his sin with Bathsheba was not according to God's word. The killing of his her husband, not according to God's word. The attempted cover-up until he was confronted with his sin. David was not a perfect man, but he made the Word of God his meditation. And that fueled the fire of delight in him. He would not have delighted in God's Word if he had not spent time in it. It's the same in a relationship with someone it's easy to feel cold towards someone, spouse or even a friend. But when you spend time with them, you remember why you enjoy t- spending time with them. And it kind of fuels and it, it warms that relationship again. This is why a marriage of separation, you know, just joint occupancy of a, of a home doesn't work. You need to spend time together. Oh, I'm going to work. Okay, see ya. That's that's why we need to spend time together. Not just in our own family relations, but as a church. To develop a greater love for one another. Because what is it that we all have in common? Why are we all here? We love the Lord. That's why I, I pray that's why we're here. If we're here just because it's comfortable, that's a different story. But as we begin to fellowship together, and I think this is why fellowship is such an important part of the church, the more fellowship we have, the tighter our bond together will be. But the more time we spend apart, the less we feel a part of one another, and the less warmth we feel when we're together. I think that's a, a big difference from, this is a, a complete side note, but as a kid, that's all, we didn't have any friends outside of the church. Because everybody outside of the church thought we were a cult or something. And so all our friends were in the church and we only spent time with them because we weren't accepted outside of our church. And not that we shouldn't have friends outside of the church. 
please. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not trying to say that uh, we all need to move into a, a commune together and avoid anyone outside the church. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, then there was a shift away, and, and many of us began to get so involved outside of our church that there was no relationship with one another. And I think, unfortunately, that could have been a cause of a lot of what has happened in the last few years. That there, our relationship to one another was so cold that the Spirit of God did not have an opportunity to move. It's a completely side note. I don't know why I'm sharing it other than it's something that's been on my heart for a while. But the more time we spend in the Word of God, the more time we spend with Him, meditating even throughout the day, it doesn't mean we can't work, but just constantly returning to that Word, maybe what we read in the morning or, or read the evening before, Thinking on what God's Word says and, and mulling it over and just saying, Lord, what does that mean? Why does He say that? How, how, does that? how does that apply to my life? But as we meditate on God's Word, God gives us insight that is greater than all our teachers and makes us wiser than our enemies. And I believe it fuels, as I said already, it fuels the fire of delight in the Lord and His Word. I believe because the psalmist was constantly meditating, he had made God's Word, His law, His delight, or made Him His, that just further fueled that love for the Lord and His Word. In verse 100, he begins to talk about the wise, the aged. He says, I understand more than the aged, because I have observed your precepts. And now, this is very different. right? Prior to this, he's only talked about meditating on God's Word and making God's Word his own. It's something that's with him at all times. He's constantly bringing it with him. But here, his understanding is greater than the aged because, right? See the word because? Because he observed those precepts. He didn't just get all this knowledge in his head and say, you know what, I meditate on the word all the time. No, he observed them. That's how the true development of understanding comes. Until we experience the Word of God in our lives, we will never have a full development of understanding God, His Word, or truth. I found this to be true. The more life experiences I have had in certain areas of faith, the more I've increased in my faith in the Lord. I hope that's been the case with each of us. Or, God has used it to expose my misunderstanding. Or expose what I thought I knew, and I realized that's actually not what the Bible said. That was an opinion that I had. But as we observe His precepts, our understanding 
comes to such a greater level. To a point that he, the psalmist, is saying, I understand more than the aged because I have observed. If we want to understand, to have insight and understanding and to have wisdom, it requires meditation on God's Word and observance of God's Word. Again, this is not in our own strength, but those two things, and it starts with meditation. It doesn't start the other way around. If God's Word is constantly on our mind, what do you think is happening to our conscience? Our conscience is constantly being informed of what truth is and what is right. But when we begin to put the Word of God aside and just begin to live without God's Word, what happens? Our conscience becomes seared and we are no longer looking to a clear conscience, but our, our conscience is, oh, that's not that big of a deal. Yet, you know, one little scene of that from a movie, that's not a big deal. You know, a few curse words, that's not a big deal. Whatever it may be, when we begin to put the Word of God aside, we will stop observing it and we'll stop delighting in it. But as we meditate on God's Word and begin to observe or develop that observance of it, I believe that's where the delight comes. God gives us that delight in the first place because it is not natural in a sin-filled man or woman to love the law of God. Why? Because it informs you of your sin. And I don't know anyone that enjoys being chastened. If you do, you have something wrong with you. None of my kids like to be chastened with their sin. Hadassah thinks that's funny, but uh, <laughs> none of us like to be chastened. But that's the thing. When, when we are meditating and, and spending time in the Word, it requires eventually observation. We must obey. We can't just take it all in. If so, we become like a reservoir that just continues to flow and eventually... There's just no more space. Or it becomes dry and dead. Have you ever seen a pond that the out, um, what do they call it? The, like a, a, a man-made pond that has a pipe, say, at a certain height. So that if the water gets so high, it, it will release. Because if it gets too high, then it will overflow the dam. But a lot of people are like those, except there's no release pipe. They're just spending all this time reading about God and spending time, but there's no observation. And so there's no way for what God has intended to be poured out to get out to the world. Wisdom is not about us being some high and mighty, I know everything kind of person. It's about us being like Jesus and taking the truth to the streets. And that requires obedience on our own part. If Jesus had just been preaching the truth 
and not living it, no one would have believed him. Right? There would be no reason. But because Jesus lived the truth, his words had authority. So we develop our love for the Word through meditation and observation. Now in this next section, verses 111 through 104, we see how this has guarded him against sin. How it has kept him from sin, but not only that, how it has also drawn him closer to the Lord. So we see in 101, he's meditated and observed the, God, the Word of God, and he's gained insight and wisdom and understanding. And 101, it says, I have restrained my feet from every evil way. I have restrained my feet from every evil way. How would he know what evil was? The Word of God, right? Remember the story of Christian and Pilgrim's Progress? He was given instructions that he could look at. Pretty sure that it was John Bunyan's illustration of the Bible. A picture of the Bible. So, but the problem was if he did not obey them, even getting to the gate to enter into the walk. Remember, he, heard, he met worldly wise man. Oh, no, you need to go over there. That's way better. I can't remember the name of it, but what ended up happening, he gets all the way over there, and he realizes this is just works religion. If I can make it up there, if I can make it to the top of the mountain. And all he does is he just keeps getting crushed. And eventually, the evangelist comes and says, Why did you come over here? I told you not to. I told you to go straight to the gate, not to... Go left or right? So, not only do we need to know what is evil, and we know that by meditating on God's law and His Word, we need to make a commitment to follow it. Right? We're seeing this here. Because He knew the way to go, and knew what evil was, he knew how to restrain his feet from going in that direction. Right? Why did he do this? Why did he do it? It says in verse 101, the second half, that I may keep your word. He knew God's word, and that's why he restrained his feet from going in the evil way. Because he wanted, that's a key word there, he wanted to keep the Word because he delighted in it. He loved the Word. And he realized that if he went in the evil way, what would that cause? That would cause a departure from the light. A departure from the way of God. And essentially a separation 
from God. Because in the Christian walk, as we walk more and more towards the Father, what do we experience? More and more of His presence, more and more of His peace and His joy in our lives, even no matter the circumstances that we encounter. And the older we get as Christians, and that day draws near, we begin to look more and more to, Lord, I want to be with you. Yeah, I love my family, I love these things, but I want to be with you. And so, the psalmist, he's meditated on the Word, he's got it in his mind, in his heart, and he's observed it, so then that keeps him from going in the evil way. Verse 102, so it keeps him from going in the evil way, but it also says, I have not turned aside. I haven't looked at your ordinances and turned aside. I haven't, I haven't just said, ah, I like those ideas, but I'm just going gonna, gonna to go over here. No, he is walking in them. He is staying on the straight and narrow. Why? Because his guidebook... The Word of God is ever before him. It's ever his. It is, it is his now. It's, it's as though he has this in his heart and his mind. And so when he goes, he's like, I know the way to go. I'm not going to turn to the right. I'm not going to turn to the left. Why? Because it says in verse, the second half of 102, For you yourself have taught me. So the psalmist, in meditating on God's Word has been taught by the Lord. Isn't that incredible? His time meditating on the Word was God's means of teaching him, as well, I would say, as him taking God's Word and observing it. God teaches us in two ways, meditating on His Word and observing His Word. If you know teaching very well, there's not just, we can teach somebody the concepts. So let's, let's just talk about math. We can teach the, someone the concept of the unit circle, right? Circles 360 degrees. But if they don't see how that actually applies to their life, they're going to be like, whatever, who cares? At least that's me. I'm an applied math person. I, like All the stuff that Laura likes, I don't understand that. <laughs> No offense, Laura. Uh, but another, another principle from math. I learned Pythagorean theorem, if you remember what that is, A squared plus B squared equals C squared. And college, is that considered trig? I don't know. Class I had to take to take calculus. Anyways, I was like, well, what's the use of this? Where in the world will I use this in life? Well, I figured it out. When I measure siding and I measure a gable roof, and I don't want to, I only can get two measurements, I can get the other one really easy. It's like, oh, there was an actual useful thing that I was taught. But if I hadn't remembered that, then that would have been a useless thing. But when I began to apply it, now I remember that formula all the time. 
right? Because I, I applied it to real life. I didn't just um, have this obscure concept. And the, even with obs- more um, theoretical mathematics, there still has to be some kind of, how can we actually apply this to the real world sometimes? Maybe Laura should teach us about that. But, <laughs> but in all... In all types of sciences especially, there's not only um, theoretical or, okay, this is how it should work, but there's also, also observational. So, like all my chemistry and physics classes, those all had a lab portion. Because you need to see how these principles actually work in the real world, because that's the reason we have physics that's why we have um, chemistry. We need to we we teach these things so people can understand why things work the way they do. And once you see something in real life happening, you're like, "Oh, that makes sense. I never understood that." Right? If you shoot a bullet straight up, where is it going to fall? Is it going to keep going up? No, because gravity, it's a, the law of gravity, is going to come straight back down, and how fast is it going to be flying? The same rate that it went up at. Well, as fast... Okay, I better be careful there. <laughs> It'll be coming down at least as fast as gravity is pulling, but who cares about the, the physics there? But it still would kill you. <laughs> uh, but... That is the thing, but it can only go as fast as, as gravity pulls. Anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm being a little bit too scientific. But the whole point is we can teach people in education all we want about concepts and even in history and, and English grammar and all these things, but until we actually see it applied in real life, the full understanding of something doesn't come alive. And I believe that's what... The Bible teaches us. It teaches us we need to meditate on the Word and we need to live it. It is not one or the other. It is both. We can't just sit around and be like, well, once I get a real understanding of God's Word, then I'm going to live it. It's not going to happen. Until you live it, you won't understand it. But we should be meditating on it. Because doctrine that is lived out will create a life that is ordered by the Lord. And we're seeing that here as the psalmist teaches us in his in the Word of God. And that is how God teaches us. He teaches us through those means. And that is how we keep our feet from turning aside. That's how we keep on the straight and narrow. And you know what the result of that is? The result of that is 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, or my palate. Yes, if it's possible, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I added a little bit to that translation. Sweeter than honey? Do we look at the Word of God that way? Do I? Do you?
There are times that I do, but there are times that I don't. Where are the times that I don't? The times that I don't agree with God, what God is saying. And then the times that I do, it's like, yeah, Lord, I, oh yeah, I'm in. Well, the times that it's not sweeter than honey, we need to meditate on those truths that we're not liking and find out what is wrong on our side. Because all of God's Word should be sweet as honey. We should chew on the Word like a honeycomb. Well, some of you probably don't like to chew on honeycomb, but just the sweetness of the word. I mean, this is a, one of the most famous passages in the Psalms. This description of the word of God as honey. And honestly, this is what I want. This is what I want when I get in the word. I want to delight like this. I want this. And the way that the psalmist is saying that that happened in his life was by meditating on the Word, and observing the Word. Because through that, God taught him understanding, wisdom, and insight. That's how he became a true follower, through meditating and observing God's Word. Now, there's another kind of observation that I haven't talked about. And that is, when we do not follow God's word, we observe the results of turning aside. We observe the results of following sin. We realize that the lies of the devil are not all they're cracked out to be. We realize that the pleasures of sin are just momentary. Whereas the words of God lead to exponentially greater delight and eventually a heaven of eternity without an end. The question is, will we be those who are developing by God's grace a delight in Him because we're being taught of Him and that delight is like honey to our lips? Or are we developing a bitterness towards the Word? Because we're constantly walking away. We're making it a second-tier priority in our life. And we're just doing what feels good. Because that's what many churches are teaching anymore. You just need Jesus and then you're good. I'm not saying that we don't, we need Jesus. But Jesus didn't call us to live however we want. He called us to obey Him. If you are mine, you will do what I have commanded you. Not in your own strength, but in the power of Christ in us, through the power of His Holy Spirit. The psalmist summarizes this section in 104. He says, From your precepts I get understanding. That's a pretty good, succinct statement. By meditating on them and living in them, 
So he's developed that delight in God's word. And so he now has understanding. And what is the result of that? Therefore, I hate every false way. He hates it. Is that us? When we see proclaimed as good sin, do we hate it? Or we say, you know what? I can continue to watch this, or I can continue to listen to this, or I can continue to hang out with this group of people, or we can, I can continue to do whatever it may be. Or do we hate sin? Do we hate every false way? Do we stand up and proclaim the truth? Do we live by the truth? Do we truly believe that understanding comes from the Word of God? Because if this is not our belief, in this day and age, we will be led astray. This is why I've been doing Psalm 119, for two reasons. One, I want this delight. And two, I realize how easy it is to be led astray when the Word of God is not my delight. Because if you don't delight in something, eventually you'll stop doing it. And that's the same with God's Word. If we are not delighting in His Word, we will cease to live according to His Word. Do you love the law of God? Is His Word sweeter than honey to your mouths this morning? If not, there is hope because God has promised to change our hearts. We can ask Him, Lord, search me and know me. Right? The psalmist himself wrote this. Try my heart. Show me if there is any wicked way in me. So if there is a lack in your life, as I am sensing in my own, of this love that you want and, and this sweetness of the word, if this is lacking, there is hope. I was reading First uh, Peter chapter 2. If you'll turn there with me real quick before we close. I thought this was... There is a way to return. I I was thinking about people that I've known who, almost everyone who's come to Christ, especially at a, a late teens to whatever age, that they all say, man, I just couldn't get enough of the Word. I just had to, to read it and just, just devoured it. This just started reading. I couldn't stop. Well, maybe we need to return to our first love. Ask God for that devouring thing. And this is what he says in 1 Peter chapter 2. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit, this is verse 1, and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. It's interesting, he puts this first. You need to put aside malice. You need to put aside deceit or lying. Hypocrisy. What's hypocrisy again? It's play acting. Stop acting like you're okay. 
and envy. Stop looking at everybody else thinking, man, I wish I had what they had. I wish I had that or whatever. And all slander. Stop talking about one another. Stop being gossips. So therefore, putting aside all these things, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word. Long for the pure milk of the word. Is it possible that there's malice, deceit, or hypocrisy, or envy, or or slander in our lives that is impeding our ability to long for the pure milk of the word? Because if we long for the pure milk of the word, there's going to be a result. So that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. I believe there is hope for us. Otherwise, I wouldn't be preaching through Psalm 119 because I need and desire this love and delight in the Word just as much as I'm hoping you all are seeing a need for this in your own lives. There is a famine of the Word, and a lot of it is a lack of desire for the Word. Not as much that there's not people preaching the truth. I believe there's... Many churches around our nation today that are preaching the truth of the word, but many people are delighting in everything but the word. What are those things in our lives that are robbing us of a delight in God's word? That's what I'll leave you with. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would expose to us. Open our eyes to those areas in our lives where we are inviting sin in or choosing to delight in things that do not please you. Lord, expose those areas of our lives where your word could be speaking truth and hope and peace, but because of a lack of desire for your word, a lack of time in your word, a lack of joy in your word, and even observing your word, we do not delight it in it. Lord, I pray that this morning we would develop a delight in your word. Not because we have some ability, but because your word, when meditated on and observed in daily life, will lead to a greater understanding of you and of truth and of this life, and I believe will lead us to say as a psalmist that your word is sweeter than honey in our mouth, Lord. Help us, Lord, to make commitments, even today, to develop a delight in your word. And Lord, to turn aside from those things which keep us from your word. Turn aside from those things that may not be sin in themselves, but are drawing us away from a delight in your word.
Guide us by your Spirit, we pray. Encourage us to be people of your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.